Hi, it's Robin McMahon here. I'm the host of Parenting Our Future. And if you're listening to this podcast, I want to thank you so much for being here. I also want you to know that I'm a former angry mom. I used to yell and rage and threaten and punish my kids because I wasn't getting the cooperation or the behavior that I felt I should be getting. And I struggled for many years, not knowing how to change or knowing what to do differently. It wasn't until I found the world of peaceful parenting that I learned why my kids acted the way they did and also why I was so angry and triggered. I was able to heal my anger and leave my triggers behind so that I could focus on being the calm and confident parent I always expected myself to be. I can tell you that feeling connected to your kids is the best feeling in the world. My two boys are teenagers now, and we have a strong relationship that is rooted in deep connection. And where there is connection, there's cooperation. Parenting is the most important job we do, but it's the hardest job we do. And we do it without understanding the fundamentals of the way our kids grow and develop. We do it without knowing the way their brains work or what their behavior is actually really telling us. So it's no wonder it's so hard. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, this is harder than I thought it would be. And that's where I come in. I can help you and I can support you so that you can have the cooperation and enjoy being a parent. You can book a free call with me on my website, parentingforconnection.com. And if you want to download my free guide, how to turn a no into cooperation, go to triggerfreeparents.com. I really hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. It's Robin McMahon here. Welcome back to another episode of Parenting Our Future. I am all about helping you to understand your kids better, to really help you to get to what's driving their behavior so that you can build a strong connection with them, but also get cooperation, also get kids that listen better because building harmony in your home is so important. And that deep connection with your kids is everything. And we're really going to talk about why that connection is so important. And just a little reminder that we have lots of tools and tip sheets and all sorts of things for you to consume for free in the parent toolbox. Go to www.parent-toolbox.com and join this membership for free and get new tools from guests like my guest today and brilliant other guests, including some of my own work for you to use just to help you with everyday parenting struggles. So I want to just get into today's topic. And today I have Christina Furnival here. She has been here before, and I am so excited to have you here again, Christina. Welcome. Before we dive in, I'm going to tell everybody a little bit about you. So, uh, I, first of all, she's been here before. We had an episode in March of 2022, and it was called Bullies, Bullying, and Boundaries, and it was all about her book, The Not-So-Friendly Friend, so all about bullying. So if you haven't watched that episode or listened to that episode, please do, because after you listen to this one, you're going to want more and more and more from Christina. I <laughs> know you will. She's incredible. So Christina is a licensed psychotherapist, children's book author, and a mom. Through therapy and her social-emotional children's book series called Capable Kiddos, she is passionate about helping children and their parents understand themselves better, navigate challenges confidently, and live the life they want. Yes, I so love that. And really, that's my purpose too. And that's why you're back here, because 
I know what you have to offer is so valuable to parents. So Christina, thank you for being here. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me back. And it's really fun to hear someone else read your own bio. Cause I'm like, Oh, all right. I know yeah. what I'm talking about. You right. <laughs> know what you're talking about. And you have a four-year-old and a six-year-old and yeah. you have a Scottish husband and you guys have <laughs> traveled throughout the world a bit with those kiddos as well. And yeah. so like, you know what you're talking about both from a mom perspective, but also from a psychotherapist perspective. And that is so important, so important. And today what we're talking about is really more about fears and childhood fears. Mm-hmm. And I just want to, you know, we're talking about how to overcome it. We're talking about why they have them and where they come from. And I want to just preface this conversation by saying that everything, I guess the antidote to being able to talk to your kids in the first place about their fears, to learn about their fears, to Mm -hmm. understand their fears, for them to feel comfortable enough to share those fears with you and feel safe with you. It's all about connection. So knowing that that is the most important thing to have a deep connection with your child, they won't tell you if they don't feel safe. They won't tell you if they don't think you're going to listen. So I just want to say that that is a huge key component to helping your kids really feel safe and secure. So with that said, let's talk about fears in kids. What do you find with kids that is their most prevalent fears? What are they afraid of? What, you know, what comes up the most for kids and even parents too? I think it's age dependent a little bit. If you think of Mm. younger children and toddlers, their biggest fear is being separate from you, right? They've got that separation anxiety. What happens when mommy and daddy are away? Will they ever come back? am I going to be safe and comfortable with whomever is watching me? So the younger ages, it tends to be about that connection. Like you're talking about as well, just they want to be with you and they, you will see young children when they experience an actual event of something scary, they will look towards their parent to Mm. see how do I handle this? What's your reaction? Should I be scared or should I, okay, my mom's not phased. I might still feel scared, but okay, I think I'm going to take her lead. And so when they're younger, you'll see a lot more of that. As they start to get a little bit older, you're going to get the common kind of nightmare fears, the fears of monsters, the fear of the dark, the fear of unknown things. Little kids thrive on routine. And so when things shift or change outside of what they're used to, you'll find resistance and you'll find that they might be afraid of those sorts of things. And -hmm. then as they get older, those fears might evolve as well. might be social fears, fears of not fitting in, fears of being left out or not knowing how to make friends, school fears of school, fear of failure, fear of not doing well, fear of disappointing. So I think as your child grows, you'll see a range and I'm sure there's a spread across ages and developments. Um, But those are some of the common fears we see. That's really so great to hear because from a couple different perspectives, you know, one is that you can kind of say, oh, well, this is normal and natural. Mm -hmm. This is what I can expect. This is also temporary, right? Mm -hmm. Because this is just sort of age appropriate. Like, yeah, you know what? You're starting to think of things more 
And that's why you're thinking of monsters. That's why you're afraid of the dark, right? So mm-hmm. it does play into the development. And one of the things that you just said is that with the, the younger kids, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because when you talk about what you're talking about, and also when you write the books that you write, you are sharing evidence-based guidance, science-based information. And that is really important. So when you say to me, or you say that those younger kids, when um, they're separate from you or, or worried about separation and something happens and they're, they're looking for you, they're looking to you to see how to react, what to say, what to do. And that's also because we have mirror neurons in our brains, right? So just knowing that I think is a really helpful thing too, right? Like that's normal. And to also know that our kids are always looking to us to know what to say, what to think, what to believe. And so we really do have a responsibility to make sure we're modeling what we want our kids to be like, right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. They are picking up how we're handling situations, for example, the pandemic, how we're handling different things in the world. Mm -hmm. And, and they're looking to us to get their cues for, okay, how do I feel about this? And how should I handle this? You know, our kids are, you know, nature nurture, they're so much their own selves and their own personalities, but they also are very much learning what we're, what we're putting out there. And so, like you just said, modeling, modeling is probably one of the biggest, most important things you, I'm sure you talk about it all the time and including with fears we want to model that we ourselves have a healthy relationship with our fears and anxieties and we might mm. not. So, you know, how do you do that? And part of that is the idea that fear and anxiety are natural and protective emotions in response to real mm. or perceived danger. They are there to serve you and give you a heads up. And if we have our own battles and fears and avoidances because of our own fears and anxieties, we may be, showing our children how to shy away from the discomfort instead of leaning into it. And um, I love the example of, let's say a fire alarm. And if your fire alarm goes off in the house while you're cooking, you have the awareness to say, oh, that's going off because of the smoke that I'm putting off from the stove or from the toaster. And you can say, thanks fire alarm, but our house isn't burning down and you, you know, reset it or turn it off. That's how it should be with anxieties and fears as well is, okay, I'm feeling my heart race. So teaching symptoms and feel, noticing your own symptoms, but I'm feeling my heart race. I'm feeling jittery and on edge. I feel like something bad is about to happen. That's my fear or my anxiety talking to me. What's the evidence to prove it or disprove it? And then, okay, thank you, anxiety. Thank you, fear. I got your information. I'm heeding your warning and I will be intentional in how I respond to you. I'm not going to run out of the house like there's a full-fledged fire if there's not. And so showing that to our kids is so, so important. See, isn't this, this is exactly why I said you were so wonderful to talk to. (laughs) Obviously, this is just incredible. I loved, I was hanging off of everything you said. Um, And so, but what you started saying is that it is natural. Fear is natural, normal, and it's meant to protect us essentially, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, I'm paraphrasing what you said, but protect us from predators Uh, And anxiety is also a warning system, right? Mm -hmm. And so what, and what you also said is we've got to be careful about how we're modeling our own fears. So I would say like, if I am really scared of spiders, let's say, right. And yes, there are phobias around that sort of thing, but let's just say, I'm just, I'm just scared of them. I don't want to touch them. I don't want to look at them. I don't want to have them in my house. And you can say, oh, okay, there's a spider there. 
I don't like the spider. I'm going to go get somebody bad in my case to go and deal with the spider. Or I could freak out, jump up on the couch, yell and scream, you know, make a huge, huge deal out of it. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. Whatever. Like big, big, big deal. Yeah. And they're watching that. And they're watching that. Going to get dad is one of your options. If you don't want to have a freak out, you could also show, Hey, I know you guys know, I don't like spiders, but I'm the only one home right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to face my fear and I'm going to mm-hmm. trap it. I'm not going to touch it. Cause that kind of freaks me out too much. I'm going to take a baby step though. And I'm going to find a Tupperware container mm-hmm. and I'm going to catch it. And I'm just going to leave it there until daddy gets home. So I'm mm-hmm. going to do my best to face my fear while keeping myself safe at the same time. Or you could even talk through, you know, I'm afraid of spiders cause I don't want to get bit. And I'm afraid of like poisonous spiders, but I know in where I live, there's not poisonous house spiders and I'm just, I'm going to get it, you know, and I'm just going to do it. You guys there with me. You're going to help me be brave. Let's take deep breaths together. Let's do this. And you, so you have multiple approaches that aren't just the pure chaos. Yeah. And, but what I like what you're saying, and, and I'll say this too, about the emotions that we feel like I talk about talking in the language of feelings and needs. Mm -hmm. And so what you just demonstrated is, is, is actually, instead of keeping it all in your head, know that your kids are watching. And so actually talk about what you're doing. Like, you know what? I am feeling scared. There is that spider there, but I wonder if I could just put a glass over top of it because that would contain the spider and I can wait until dad gets back or whoever gets back and they can, they can help me. And then I don't have to feel scared Yeah. or my worries are less, right. right? Like that's a really great way of teaching your kids that language too. Absolutely. I love the idea of talking through your thought process. Yes. Because we don't do that very no, often. Do we? we try and mask these, these uncomfortable yeah. feelings so we can seem in control or like the adults. Uh, but if we can open ourselves up to our children, it does two things. One, it shows them a healthy way of handling it. You know, fear is uncomfortable, but I shouldn't avoid it. But also it shows our children that we share with them how we're feeling, what we're thinking. And like you said, it, it's that connection piece. It opens the door for our kids to say, mom and dad, caregiver, I'm afraid of X, Y, or Z, and I would love your help. Mm-hmm. So it, it starts that two-way street if we're willing to share with our kids what's going on for us. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's huge. And so that's really an invitation for, for, for those who are listening to really think about, okay, you know, what do I do in those situations? Can I talk through this? Because I'm telling you, it really helps. And because our kids have mirror neurons, they're going to start doing that too. Right. And modeling is everything. And, and look, it's not like it just happens with us. It happens in the animal kingdom as well. It is a, it is what is done for, you know, for parents and children, you know? So, so it's, it's, it really is something that we can really sort of rest and lean into that it does work. So Mm -hmm. here's the thing though. Um, so I I talk about this a lot too, that I have a a son with, um, OCD. And so there is a lot of fear there. There are a lot of unhelpful thoughts Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, OCD can be disruptive, disturbing thoughts. It can be, um, things like it's just not right. That happens to be what my son has. Uh, those intrusive thoughts are not so much, but they're there. Um, or it's, it can be, um, like a hygiene sort of a thing. Right. So what do we do if our kids have unhelpful thoughts? 
there is an, there's several approaches, but the one that I find the most helpful is cognitive behavioral therapy related. And it's the idea of cognitive distortions. And I think that's actually what my next book is going to be about. Oh, good. Because I think it's so important for kids and grownups to learn that we actually can control our thoughts to some extent. And mm. I had postpartum anxiety mm. and depression. Some of the anxiety as a mom still lingers. Who knows if that's just motherhood at this point. <laughs> um, but I continue to get some intrusive thoughts. And the idea of an intrusive thought is that it's a thought that's interrupting. It's poking its head in a place that it has no business. And it's usually about something you care very strongly about. Mm -hmm. So for example, when my daughter was a newborn, I cared very much for her safety and I still do. But mm -hmm. you know, at that point you're carrying this defenseless, defenseless, perfect little baby. And my intrusive thoughts were about really gory, awful things happening to her. Mm -hmm. And intrusive thoughts are ego dystonic, which means that you they go against your value system. They go against mm -hmm. what you want and they feel very uncomfortable. And you start to have the sense of like, but do I want that? Why is that popping in my head? I know I don't want that. And it's very, very confusing. Yeah. And when you're having those sorts of intrusive thoughts, whether it's pure anxiety or OCD or a branch of anxiety is to call them out. Oh, I'm having intrusive thoughts again. The annoying yeah. intrusive thoughts are here. Um, I know of a lady whose son has OCD and she wrote, um, a story on his behalf, Louis, the dictator. And mm. so he named his thoughts, the dictator, and mm. they were telling him what to do. And he had to learn that he didn't have to listen to the dictator. And so calling it out and being like, Oh, I'm having another intrusive thought, or I'm having this feeling that I have about these things. So annoying and kind of separate it from you because the thoughts are happening within you, but they aren't you. And if you can put some distance between that, then you can have a little more space to say, do I do what this is saying or do I make a the opposite choice mm -hmm. or, you know, somewhere within that range. And so with your son, helping him to recognize what thoughts are healthy, which ones are, like you said, not helpful. What are maybe cognitive distortions? Maybe they're personalization or maybe overgeneralizing. Maybe there's a mental filter everything's going through. And if, if a child can recognize what these thought styles are, then mm -hmm. they can identify them for what they are, which then allows them the, the time and space to try and shape them and change mm -hmm. them, find a more accurate, more helpful thought. Because, you know, we all, an event could happen to 100 people in a room and they're all going to have different beliefs and interpretations of what happened. And the same thing is mm. true in our own thoughts. We have the power to reshape them, but we have to be conscious and habitual about that. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and through, you know, our journey and parenting him, you know, we've learned about those intrusive thoughts that we all have them and I, I can identify them too. And the people that have those and, you know, are, like you said, the least likely people to ever do the thing that pops into their head. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so what skills can, can you teach your child to cope with scary? What if thoughts, right? Is that really that, that cognitive distortion? Is that really, or, or is there more? It's it, I would say it's an arm of that. It's more of thought spiraling, which you might have thought spirals of cognitive distortions, but it's it. I find that people who have anxiety and have these, what if thoughts they are also quite creative people mm. and, and, their mind is just going into overdriving creativity down this thought spiral. And there is a feeling of 
control in indulging those thought spirals. Like, okay, if I work this all the way down, Mm -hmm. then I'm going to know what I can do for all these scenarios and I'm going to be safe. But the problem is we're, we're allowing that thought spiral to happen. And if we can cut it off and say, oh, I'm thought spiraling again, or you know what, I'm having these fears and anxieties and it makes me uncomfortable, but I can sit in the discomfort and that's okay. I don't have to come up with a solution for them because our, our feelings of fear and anxiety go on this normal curve and they grow in intensity and discomfort, but mm-hmm. they hit a crest. They always hit a crest and they start to go back down. And if we empower ourselves and we empower our children to ride that wave, tolerate, just be there in that feeling and then watch it dissipate the power that you feel afterwards of like, I handled that. I did that without having to do my compulsion or without having to continue the thought spiral down and safety plan for X, Y, or Z apocalypse happening. Mm -hmm. Then we're, we're giving them this gift of you can handle it. And like Mm -hmm. there's a beautiful book on feelings, a children's book called the way I feel by Janan Kane. And the end of the book, it says, uh, feelings come and feelings go. I never know what they'll be silly or angry, happy or sad. They're all a part of me. And so my kids and I repeat that all the time when they're like, I'm never going to feel better. This is how my life is now. Is that reminder of it's fleeting. It's temporary. Your feeling is is coming and it's here, but it will go again. It's going to feel stronger and then it's going to feel weaker and you can handle that. And mm-hmm. then with coping skills, then you can support yourself even more. So what are some of the coping skills? There are many different types of coping skills, depending on the situation or the need you know, for example, if you're feeling lonely, a coping skill might be to reach out to someone who cares for you or to ask your mom or dad for a hug. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're feeling like unfocused and unsure, it might be good to try and focus your attention on coloring or drawing or doing a puzzle. Um, when it comes to anxiety, actually, there's a lot of research right now on polyvagal theory. And it's the idea that the vagus, V-A-G-U-S nerve runs throughout our whole body. And if we can stimulate it, it actually puts our autonomic nervous system in check and it kind of calms everything down again. So ways that you can support yourself with your vagus nerve is to splash water on your face or put ice on your wrists. And that actually physiologically can calm down your body. So those can be good coping skills to hit you from the inside out. Um, You could also journal, write, draw, you could read a book. So distraction sometimes, distraction isn't ideal in the long term, but it's good sometimes just to get yourself out of whatever cycle you're in. Um, also grounding yourself. I'm sure you've heard of the five, four, three, two, one sensory grounding. So five things you see, four things you feel, um, three things. I always forget all my senses. Three things you hear, two things you smell, one thing you taste. And by the time you're done with that, you feel a lot better because you're more in touch with your body. You're less in your brain and you've, you've grounded yourself in the present moment which a lot of times takes you out. Anxiety is kind of the future. Fear is kind of the past as well as current current fears, but maybe they're based in something in your mind and not in what's actually happening yeah. at the moment. Wow. Okay. I'll put the grounding exercise in the show notes for everybody because that's a really great one. It's good for everyone. Uh, okay. So your child comes to you. You have no idea they have a fear. They come to you and they're like, mom, I am so scared of X. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is the first thing that we need to say? What do we say to our kids? How do we help them like from point A all the way through to helping them cope through it? The first thing we say, well, first thing we don't say is, oh, 
that's nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We don't want to dismiss. We may not get it. And so our, our instinct may be to dismiss. Oh, you're scared mm-hmm. of the dark. It's fine. There's, there's no monsters. What do you look? There's no monsters. Okay. There's nothing to be afraid of because then our kids are like, Oh, I get shut down when it comes to my yeah. So the first thing that you should say and do is to empathize and validate and say, that sounds really scary. I believe you. Can you tell me more? And just kind of let them know that you get what they're feeling, even if you don't get why they're feeling it. Yeah. And that you're there for them. So tell me more. What's going on? Oh, my gosh. And then as they're telling you, sharing your own. Oh, my God. I remember when I was a kid. And actually, to some extent now, I don't like walking through the house in the dark either. It does, you know, it feels like you just can't see. I get that. That is really scary. And so just showing them empathy and validation is really, really helpful because it kind of takes the edge off. And then it also allows your child to tell you with their words, what they're feeling. And just by naming your fears out loud, they already feel less heavy. They already feel less daunting. And Mm. then you've got a teammate, your parent, hopefully there to support you work through it. Mm. I love that. I love that. So don't dismiss it. Instead, give them some empathy and validate like, Oh, that does sound scary. Okay. And then tell me more. I love tell me more because if you don't know what to say, just go with, tell me more. Right. (laughs) It's like, sometimes we get stuck and we're freaked out. Like, uh, uh, can you tell me more? Right. And sometimes I think, and I'm so guilty of this because I feel like I've got always in life so many things to say. We, yeah. over, we over talk them like oh they yeah. come to us with something we're like oh well I've got a solution and I'm just gonna spew it at you and they're like yeah. okay I yeah. this wasn't helpful so the empathy and validation just to show I get you and then they tell me more to be like you're taking the lead I'm here for you with you I'm not taking over yeah and and getting your child doesn't mean you agree doesn't mean you understand. It just means that you're saying, okay, that is the truth for you. Mm-hmm. How can I support you? You know, what should we do together here? Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, so telling the fear will help them. Uh, what other things can we do? I mean, there's the grounding exercise, but where does it all come into, like, how, how does it all fall into place? What's the best way to do it? Oh, that is a big question. I feel like so much depends on every child, every temperament, you know, what Mm. you've tried and what has helped, you know, what you've tried and has not. I think the rule of thumb is just to, to show your child that you believe them. And Mm -hmm. then I think to, to kind of put it back to them and show your confidence in their ability to handle it as well. So we've modeled, hopefully at this point now that, Mm. that feelings come and feelings go and that when they are here, they get bigger, but then they get smaller and I can handle that. I have coping skills to use and they've seen you do all these things. Mm-hmm. And then they've brought it to you. You're showing them that you get them. You've asked for more information and then you can put it back on them. Wow. That sounds really scary and really hard. How do you think you want to handle that right now? Do you want to just sit in the feeling and then move on? Or would you like to use a coping skill? Do you want me just to sit here with you? What, how can I best help you? What would you mm-hmm. like from me? Or did you just want me to know mm-hmm. and kind of put it back to them and depending on their age as well, then they can take the lead and feel more confident when they're younger. You're, we're going to provide more of that scaffolding to help them, but you know, you're going to take them by the hand a little more, but yeah. I don't know if I even answered your question. <laughs> no, I, I think you did. I mean, I think there are a couple of different ways, right. And, and I think you're right. It depends on the age. It depends on the situation, you know, um, 
there's this great example that I've used before. And I, I think it's really important that as parents, like we're modeling that we can manage our own emotions, but we're also modeling that we are in charge and in control. So our kids can lean on us as well. Right. And so there's this great example that I heard uh, from one of our psychologists, because we were talking about my son's OCD and just, you know, how he was so worried about things and how we could predict the way he was going to feel and fix it for him before it is a big problem. Now, I know that's not quite the same as what you're saying, but my example is this, that there is a, a you know, a child who's really scared that somebody's going to come in the house and kidnap them. And so they're so worried that they need to go and check every door and every window in the house and um, they can't sleep and they can't settle down unless they do that. And so they drag mom or dad around and, you know, say, okay, this is, this is locked. This is locked. Okay. This one's locked. Oh, see, this one wasn't locked. It's a good thing I did it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like sort of hell on wheels every single night. Whereas if you know, your child is worried about that, you say to your child, first you go and you lock all the windows and doors and you make sure that it's already done. And you say, I know that you're worried about this. I've already taken care of it here. Let me show you. You're literally doing the same thing, but you're showing them that you can count on me, that mm -hmm. I am in charge of your safety. And I'm showing you that you can count on me. Right. I love that. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. It's so nuanced. Like it doesn't sound that different, but it is. Yeah. There's, there's so much power in that. I love that. Yeah. You know, I remember being a kid too. And, uh, my mom and dad, after they put us to bed, would go out for a walk at night they didn't know this. And like, I probably told them like even, well, my mom recently that um, I would watch them go for a walk. And I was terrified every time they'd go for a walk. Cause I thought that like they would die or someone would come and kidnap me. Right. And I never shared those fears with anybody, you know, wow. I didn't have the language to either. Right. So I think that's where that connection piece comes in, like checking in with your kids, talking to them, right. <laughs> Not like every kid is like me, but still, like <laughs> I could see them. I could if from my window, I could see them walk down the street that they were walking on. I remember it just as clear like as I've been day. abandoned. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. And kids, here's the thing, right? Like kids, they're always looking to us. And if we aren't there as that figure of stability for them, they're going to come up with their own ideas. Mm -hmm. And those could be even scarier than what the truth is. Right. right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Certainly. And that having books like the capable kiddos books and my, the one that we were kind of talking about today, if you're not, um, which is how to face your fear and anxiety head on books like that, you read it and maybe, you know, like you buy it because your child kind of has these what if thoughts or kind of spirals and you're just not really sure these sorts of books can open those conversations if you had read this with yeah. your parents maybe you would have been like oh mom like when you guys go on your walk it would have like encouraged yes. and inspired you to bring it up and yeah. so that can be a helpful tool as well when you're like well, I don't know if my kid's afraid of anything or that they, they kind of seem anxious but I'm not sure sometimes yeah. just even starting the conversation yeah. And it opens the door, even if you didn't know your child was, was afraid. I mean, let's, let's just face it. Everybody has fears. So this is the, your book. Fear not is something that really everybody should have because we're all going to face it. And especially in today's day and age, let's oh be honest, God. there's a lot of things to be afraid of. And again, we need to be the ones to manage that information because if we don't, 
then they're going to get it somewhere else or they're going to make up their own idea about it. Mm -hmm. Right. And then that can just keep the anxiety going and the fears going and they don't thrive when they're scared. Right. No, no. Gosh, if we're in fight or flight and our brain is act like we're using our reptilian brain and we're not using the prefrontal Mm -hmm. cortex where we Mm -hmm. judge and plan and reason and use logic and organize and all those good executive function skills. Yeah. We can't, we can't expect them to then go to school and take in whatever their teachers are teaching them and come back and have learned anything if they're in this constant state of fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah. And it uses up your resources. It's not good for your health. It's not good for your brain. And so we owe it to our kids to, to recognize that this is a real thing and that we can get ahead of it. And it's not too late. If, if they are there, your book will help with solutions, how to talk to them, how to normalize it. You know, I think one of the things that we need to do is normalize emotions as well Mm -hmm. and let kids know that it's normal to have them and that they matter, you know, and that you're, you're not less than for having big emotions or emotions. Right. And, uh, you know, I think that that goes a long way in helping them be able to deal with them because they know that there isn't something wrong with them. That's Mm -hmm. terrible. And you take that on, you take that with you into adulthood. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like we know every, every, well, not every, we know a lot of people who have said, Oh, you know, I was told that I was too much. And so now I try and restrain myself or I was told this or that, or I was told I'm so sensitive. So now Mm -hmm. I keep that from my closest relationships and it's just kind of heartbreaking that it can stick that way. And I think as a parent, it's helpful to know, okay, well, when is my child's anxiety going from like normal, healthy, protective in or fears as well into mm. maybe they need some help. And um, I say just the biggest way you can notice is if it's impacting their life, the yeah. danger of fears and anxieties actually aren't the things they're worried about. It's that it's causing them to avoid and it's causing them to engage in safety behaviors that are impeding their, their enjoyment of life. And so if you finding your child is avoiding school, avoiding friends, not wanting foods and afraid of these things to the point that they're limiting themselves, I'd say that's a good point to, to reach out to a specialist. Thank you for saying that. That is really, really important. And, and I want to say too, you know, with my child that has OCD, I didn't handle it well at first. I didn't know. I thought he was being stubborn. I thought he was Mm -hmm. being annoying. So I didn't understand it. I got mad at it. And so, you know, I just want to say that it, you can still heal it. You can Mm -hmm. still go back and repair that relationship. Like I just didn't know what I didn't know, you know, and, and it was debilitating for him. Like, he's 17 now, um, doesn't have a driver's license yet. I worry that he may choose OCD, like a a compulsion over something that's safe driving the car, you know? So like there's, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot there that you have to manage when you have these kind of unhelpful thoughts and, and to keep, to keep normalizing, getting help and, um, reaching out for help and, you know, uh, you know, he wants to hide it sometimes because he just, he doesn't want anyone to know. And it's like, dude, I can see it, you know? So, uh, so yeah. So I, you know, I guess, I guess I want to just normalize too, that like, we don't always handle it the right way and it's okay. We can go back, right. We can go back. And I love that you admitted that as a parenting specialist. And I feel that way a lot as a therapist is I feel like I should have all these tools and I should know better than handling things in a certain way. And 
but we're human. And um, we all, as parents, we all make mistakes. Our kids are learning how to be a human being and we're learning how to be parents with every single yeah. child because it's different yeah. with each of them. And we need to cut ourselves some slack and give ourselves yeah. some grace if we did dismiss a fear. Um, I had a medical issue when I was a little kid and I, I remember bringing it up to my mom. I was probably, I wasn't little, I was um, maybe 13 or something. Mm. And it was in, it involved sensitive areas and I was really nervous to bring it up, but I did. And she kind of laughed out of like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that, but I just, I still remember that. Mm. And, and she came to me afterwards and apologized and was like, I really, I didn't know it was about to come out of your mouth. And I was kind of shocked by what was, and I got nervous, which is why I laughed, but I don't think it's funny. And I'm here for you and we're going to help you. And that repair is so much more important most of the time than the rip. We really need to pay attention to the repairing. Yeah. Well, and to make a mistake is a shared human condition, right? We all make mistakes. We all screw up. And if you think that, you know, we don't, we do. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is what it is to be human. So I I really appreciate you sharing that too. And it sounds like that's like the perfect thing that you could have, your mom could have said, you know, after the fact is like, wow, I, yeah, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to, I just wasn't, I wasn't expecting it, you know? So that's great. This is all really, really helpful. And I will put that grounding exercise in, uh, in the show notes, because I think, you know, I, I'm all about giving people, you know, tangible tools to really help them. And you are also giving us, um, some, some support in, um, giving us a worksheet on helping our kids through anxiety. So please go to the parent toolbox for that. It will be, um, just a handout for you with tips from Christina to help you to really navigate this with your child. So you don't walk away from this episode feeling like, okay, well, I'm not quite sure what I should do. This is exactly what you need to do. And she's an expert. She's so good at what she does. I mean, you all like it's obvious. Uh, and I wouldn't have you on twice if you weren't <laughs> magical and wonderful. And like, Aww. she has the most beautiful smile. If you can't see her, watch us on YouTube, because that's where we are. If you want to oh see goodness. us, um, Likewise. And she's just friendly and down to earth. And like, you will just love her content and, uh, you can hold up the book if you want to, uh, hold up fear not, because I want people to see it too. Oh, it's, yeah. I love it. I love it. Thank you for your work. Thank you for doing this and for being here again. Uh, I just, I, I, you know, I am grateful to know you and to have, uh, been able to talk to you twice here. And I know everybody listening has loved this as well, because this is relevant to everyone. So thank you so much. It really is. It's so important. We all have fears and anxieties, like you said, and we all usually don't really know what to do about them. So this, hopefully yeah. this was really helpful for you guys. Thank you so much for having me back on. I just love talking with you. You know, when we hung out last time, I just like left on a high, just so happy to be, to know you, to be talking with you and to be providing families with such valuable and rich information. Yeah, it's so important. All right, well, thank you. And maybe we'll see you again sometime. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> awesome, thanks so much. Thank you, bye. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.